Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You were crucified with Christ. Now, appropriate that. Make that a reality in your own experience. How do we make it a reality in our own experience? Well, we make it a reality by resisting the urges of our flesh by the recognition that that no longer has authority over me because I'm dead to that, and now I'm alive in the Spirit. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, in a message titled, The Flesh, the Kingdom, and the Cross. Now, here's Pastor Brian. He's talking about the way unbelievers live. And so he's reminding the Galatians that those who practice these things, those, in other words, who live in the flesh, those who live in the flesh are, by definition, those who are not uh, the children of God and heirs of the kingdom. Of course, they will not inherit the kingdom. They will not enter into the kingdom. So we, in contrast to they, are citizens of God's kingdom now and heirs of the fullness of that kingdom when it comes. So what Paul is saying is we are not to live like those who will not inherit the kingdom. See, we live differently. We live differently because of the work of Christ, because of the work of the Spirit. This is how we used to live, but we no longer live this way. Now, let me just give a quick reminder in case it's necessary. God's standard hasn't changed. God's standard hasn't changed, nor will it change. God's standard is forever fixed. So going back to the things that we talked about, going back to sexual immorality. What God says about sex is the the truth about sex. What the culture says about sex is not necessarily the truth. And I can say with confidence what our culture says about sex is not true at all. What God says about sex is true. And it doesn't matter what the culture says. It doesn't matter what Hollywood says. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. None of that matters when it comes down to reality, because in the end, God will have the last word, not men. And so we want to make sure, we, we, we want to make sure that we're firmly fixed on what God has said about these things and that we're living our lives in, uh, in relation to that. And, and whether that's with, with sexual issues or whether that's with Things like, you know, the use of drugs and alcohol and and those kinds of things that people are consumed with these days. What God has set as a standard. And Jesus reminded us, and I think it's, it's always important to remember these words of Jesus. He said, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all things are fulfilled. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So... So whatever, whatever it is, the, the verdicts of the court, the legislation of the Congress, the, uh, you know, the public opinion, um, none of that has any bearing on what the truth is about these things. God created us, and he created us to live a certain way. And if we violate that, there 
are those consequences that take place. And let me just say this, and then we'll move on. Obviously, this has application to the wider culture, but you know, it also has application in the church because what's happened today is that the, the wider culture has greatly influenced the church. So where the church is to be separate from the culture in one sense, in the, in the sense of sin, we see in the church today that there is a, an embracing of what's becoming the cultural norm by people who are referring to themselves as Christians and believing that they are in good standing with God regardless of their views on sexuality, regardless of their views on you know, drugs and those kinds of things. So we have to be careful, as Paul said to the Corinthians, to the Ephesians, and as he also says here later in Galatians 6, not to be deceived. Just because some theologian comes along and says, oh, well, you know, we understand that we just had the wrong view of sexuality for all these centuries. Now we got the right view. I think, well, where'd you get the right view? You got it from the culture. Oh, interesting. So God's going to tell us through the sinful culture, how we're really supposed to live. No, it doesn't work that way. So back to our points here, coming to the third and final point, we come to the cross. And Paul in verse 24, he brings us to the cross. Now I'm intentionally skipping over verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the spirit, because we're going to consider the fruit of the Spirit at length next time. Although I'll come back and touch on it in a moment. But, but again, look at the end of verse 21. He says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, you see, again, what I want you to see is that Paul is, he's, he's making a contrast between the two. There's the flesh, those who live according to the flesh. Then there's those who have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Who are they? Well, that's us. The believers are the ones who have crucified the flesh. First of all, we have been crucified with Christ. Paul said that in, back in uh, chapter 2, verse 20. So we have been crucified with Christ. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says a similar thing, that we have been crucified with Christ so that the body of sin might be put out of business. So here's what's happened to us. When we put our faith in Christ, Jesus died on a cross literally, right? When we put our faith in him, what happened to Jesus literally happens to us spiritually. So now we have died, we're dead to sin, but now we're alive to God through the Spirit. So they that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Paul, in, in Romans 8, uh, 6 through 8, there's a lot of parallel between what Paul is saying there and what he's saying here to the Galatians as well. But there in uh, chapter 8, verse 9, he says this. He said it to the Romans and it is absolutely true to the Galatians, and it's true to us as well. He says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You are not in the flesh. You see, when Paul says you are not in the flesh, what he means by that is that you are no longer 
that person you used to be. That's, that's really what he's saying. He's, he's referring to the fact that you have been now given a new life. You're no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Now, the reason that I think we need to understand this clearly is because we sometimes think wrongly that we sort of go in and out of the flesh and the spirit. You know, we, we might even use that terminology. We might even think in that way that, you know, we had a, you know, we look over the past week and we, we might even think in our own minds, you know, gosh, I had one day where I was so in the spirit. I was just in the spirit that day. And then, you know, something happened the next day and I was just in the flesh that whole day. We think like that sometimes, but that's not really what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about those who are in the flesh are those who are still dead in their trespasses and sins. Those who are in their flesh are people who are not saved, basically. They're people who are in their flesh. They are living the life that Paul describes here. They are practicing these things. This is their lifestyle. That's those who are in the flesh. Paul says, you're not that. See, what Paul is pushing here for the Galatians is to remind them that they are no longer what they used to be. And since they're no longer what they used to be, they are to no longer live the way they used to live. And even though it's obvious that they were slipping in areas and, and doing some of those things that Paul talked about, he doesn't discard them as uh, unbelievers. He just simply exhorts them and reminds them of who they really are. And this is something for us that is important. We have to remember who we really are. You see, I've been crucified with Christ. And as uh, Paul goes on in Romans 6, 11, and he says that, that we have been crucified with Christ there in verse 9, I think it is. But then in, in verse 11, he says that we are to consider that to be the case. We're to reckon it to be so is the way the King James, New King James translated. To reckon it to be so. Reckon it's an old word that means to account it to be the case. So Paul says here in verse 24, they that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. Now I want you to notice on the one hand, he's saying we've been crucified. The, the idea is that somebody else has crucified us. But now he says they that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. The idea that we crucify ourselves and both things are true. You see, because the reality is when Christ was crucified, we were crucified with him, but now I have to apply that. So when he says they that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, he's saying, look, this is what's happened to you. Now apply it to your life. You were crucified with Christ. Now appropriate that, make that a reality in your own experience. How do we make it a reality in our own experience? Well, we make it a reality by resisting the urges of our flesh, not through self-determination or the power of fear of the law, but we resist that by the recognition that that no longer has authority over me because I'm dead to that, and now I'm alive in the Spirit. And so we end up falling back on the Spirit. You see, we're going to talk about this as we close today, but I'll just touch on it for just a second. The key in all of this 
that Paul is wanting the Galatians to understand is the reality of the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God. That's the amazing thing about being a Christian. You are not just a person who's recognized that certain things are wrong and certain things are right, and you're doing your best to try to do the right thing. That's not a Christian. That's a person who is uh, under a moral obligation, but a Christian is a person who is empowered by the Spirit of God to live according to the will of God and given supernatural power through the Spirit to resist the urgings uh, of the flesh. Now, Paul here, and, and again, I want you to see this. Paul recognizes that believers will at times lapse into these kinds of behaviors. This is, this is a reality. And, you know, it, it just is the truth. Now, I, I at one time had a theological view that pretty much said that wasn't the truth. Pretty much said if you were involved in any of those things that, that he listed there, then that just simply meant that you weren't a believer. But the more you live life, the more you study the scriptures, the more you realize, no, that, that's not what Paul is saying. It can't be what it's saying if you look at the text closely because he just mentions things like selfish ambition and he mentions factions and he mentions envy. And then in verse 26, he says, let us not be conceited, provoking one another, uh, envying one another. Paul is acknowledging that these kinds of things are present among the Galatians. So this is the point that I'm trying to make. When we lapse into these things, and let me say this before I finish that sentence. When we lapse into these kinds of things, and believe me, it's not that we have to, but when we do, when we, and, and let's just say, you know, the, the big ones, we're, we're not, you know, we haven't gone out and murdered anybody and we're not drunkards and we're not, sexually immoral and all of that. Okay, we might think, oh, I'm clear. I, you know, I don't have any, what do you mean lapsing? Nobody lapses into this stuff. Well, just read the rest of the list. Envy anybody this past week? Or maybe you're living with envy towards somebody? So what am I to conclude? You're not a Christian? You're envying somebody. No. I mean, it could be. That's your way of life. But on the other hand, it might be that you've just lapsed into that. And you need to recognize that, no, this is, not who we are. This is not who I am. This is who I used to be, but this is no longer who I am. And so I apply that truth, but then it comes down practically to this. You see, Paul goes on and he finally says this, speaking, you know, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He says, if we live in the spirit, and the word if here probably could better be translated since, even though you can understand if in both ways, but, but the idea is sense. Since we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So you see, this is the answer. This is how I overcome. This is how, if I've lapsed into the flesh, this is how I'm brought back out of that. I need to remember, wait, no, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. Now, I talk to people all the time. And as a matter of fact, I talked to somebody just a couple days ago on the phone, calling on the radio program. And it was a woman who recognizes her weaknesses. 
she says, you know, I, you know, I, I think I love the Lord, but I just, you know, I just keep repeating the same things over again. And basically her question was, am I a Christian? Am I, you know, am I really a child of God? How, you know, how come I keep going through this and, and all of that? And, you know, in, in just listening to her cry, it was obvious that she's a believer because she's not practicing these things. She's not saying, hey, this is who I am. I mean, look, when you, again, you look at the list of the flesh, the, the way a person is in their natural state, they're not, not only not ashamed, many times they're proud of this is the way they are. Well, this woman's the complete opposite. She's, she's not happy with this. She knows that these failures are, are wrong. She doesn't want to be in this place. And of course, there's then that moment where the devil comes in and just says, well, it's because you're not even saved and you can never be saved because you've been trying for so long and you just keep failing over and over again. But no, the truth of the matter is she's not practicing. She's not living in. She's not, this isn't her chosen lifestyle. This is something that struggling with. You see, the believer struggles against these things. The believer fights against these things. The believer recognizes, even in a moment of lapse, the believer recognizes this is wrong. I don't want to do this. I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I doing this again? That's an indication that a person is a believer, not an unbeliever. But are they forever bound to just keep doing it over and over again? No. That's what Paul's saying. No, we're not forever bound. That's not who we are. We have the power of the Spirit. And since we are in the Spirit, since we live in the realm of the Spirit now and the Spirit lives in us, he says, let us also walk in the Spirit. And you see, this is where the victory is. It's walking in the Spirit. Now, verse 16 says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? Here in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the spirit. We have the word walk twice, two different Greek words. The first, verse 16, walk is walk in the, the general sense of, as I pointed out before, it's your conduct. This is how you're to live your life, live your life in the spirit. But the Greek word here in verse 25 is a different word, and it means to walk in line with. It means to line up behind. It means to walk in step with. And Paul is saying this, since we live in the spirit, let us also walk in step with the spirit. You see, you can live in the spirit, but not walk in step with the spirit. And then what happens? You end up doing the things that are, they look more like the things of the flesh than the spirit. But God's plan for us is to have victory over those things. So we are to walk in the Spirit. We're to walk in the steps of the Spirit. And this brings me around to what I was saying. Listen, the Holy Spirit is who we're talking about here. We're not talking about an idea. We're not talking about some, some force out there. We are talking about a person. We're talking about a person that will help you to live the way God wants you to live. Have you ever had the desire, the thought, the regret, 
that you didn't live at the time of Jesus? Have you ever had the thought like, man, I wish I could have just been with Jesus. If I was with Jesus, I wouldn't be living like this because he would have helped me not to do this. You ever feel like that? If I go, oh, those lucky apostles back then, they got to be with the Lord and you know, he, he helped them to just you know, live the right way. Well, guess what? Don't look back with envy on that because you actually have something better than they had. You actually have something better. Jesus said to them, he said, as, as he was telling them about the fact that he was leaving, he said, he said, I'm leaving, but he said, it's actually to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. Or he didn't say the Holy Spirit. At that point, he said the paracletus won't come. And the paracletus is the, the term that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit. The paracletus is one who comes alongside to help. See, the Holy Spirit has been sent by God to empower us to live the way God calls us to live. So as I started, we've been born of the Spirit. We are indwelt by the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. And so let us walk in the Spirit. Let us walk in line with the Spirit. Let us let the Spirit lead. Let us respond to the, the Word of God, because the Word of God, of course, is breathed by the Spirit of God. So we look at God's Word, and we say, God, I want to live this way, and Lord, I know you're going to help me to do this. And we respond to the promptings of the Spirit and the conviction of the Spirit. And when my flesh rises up, and those works of the flesh want to manifest themselves, and the Spirit says no, we submit to the Spirit. We go with the Spirit. We line up behind the Spirit. And as we do that, we learn to walk in victory. We learn to walk in victory. You know, in case you haven't noticed, spiritual perfection does not come overnight. The truth of the matter is it doesn't come in this lifetime. The truth of the matter is spiritual perfection will never come until we have all shed these bodies and put on that new body. But in the meantime, we're in this process where God wants us to be growing. And Jesus, as he put it this way, you shall know the truth and the truth shall progressively set you free. That's what God is wanting to do. And so as we yield to the spirit, now, as I look at these works of the flesh, I'll just be very candid here. As I look at these things, it's just like, yeah, I don't have a problem with most of the stuff on the list here, but I can't say I don't have a problem with any of it. And I've been a Christian for a long time. So what does that mean? That means that I have to just keep going back to the same thing over and over again. Since I live in the spirit, I have to walk in the spirit and I have to make those choices and you have to make those choices. But know this, the spirit of God is there to help us to do what we can't do. The flesh comes and says, you got to do this. This is who you are. But the spirit says, no, no, this is not who you are. That person is dead. That person was crucified. And you say, right, yes, that person was crucified. I am crucified with Christ. And now I'm going to crucify this. I'm not going to yield to it. I'm going to yield to the spirit. And so that is what the apostle wants the Galatians to know. It's not about your determination to keep the rules. It's about the power of the living God dwelling in you 
that will give you the victory as you walk in the Spirit, as you walk in step, letting the Spirit lead your lives. For the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. Are you struggling to recognize the hand of God during difficult seasons of life? If you need a fresh reminder of God's presence in your present circumstances, or if you know someone who does, then you need to get this book. The Myth of Coincidence chronicles John Bonner's story of God's faithfulness and is full of devotional insights, scripture, and sections for reflecting upon how God is at work in your life. Dispel the myth of coincidence in your own story. Get this book today. The book, The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.